Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You are listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Lip Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time. Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine? Nah, we'll keep that between us. The Iron Women podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show. Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code IRONWOMEN15. This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an Orca Wetsuit, actually, so I already know I like them. I've been trying out their Swim Run Wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. The Iron Women podcast loves Gooder sunglasses. They're made in recklessly fun colors and come in styles that actually look good. My favorite is flamingos on a booze cruise. They have translucent pink frames and teal lenses that add a pop of color to all my workout clothes. Gooder sunglasses are no slip, no bounce, and polarized. I raced in a pair of Gooders at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials earlier this year. Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing, nothing at all. Gooder sunglasses start at only $25 a pair, so no discounts are needed when they're already the most affordable performance shades on the planet. Go to gooder.com forward slash feisty. That's G O O D R.com forward slash F E I S T Y. Check out the Live Feisty curated collection or pick up your own favorites. Look good, run gooder. Hi, Haley. How's it going this week? Alyssa, it's a big week for me. Do you know what's happening this week? Oh my gosh. It's your birthday week. Yes. And yes, good job. <laughs> good job. I'm very impressed. Thanks. That one up very quickly. This is actually, this episode is actually going to come out on my birthday, July 23rd, Thursday. Oh my gosh. Everyone, if you are listening on Thursday, make sure you hit pause or just multitask for just a second. Go to Instagram, and I'm sure what Haley would want more than anything in the world for her birthday present this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, weekend, all of the days is for you to screenshot and tell Haley that you're listening. Tell the world that you're listening to the Iron Woman podcast. Spread some Iron Woman podcast love out into the world, and but definitely, definitely wish Haley the happy birthday. Oh, thank you. That would be a fantastic, a fantastic, fantastic gift. Thanks. That was a good one too. I'm very impressed with your mental capacity right now, Alyssa. Um, are you, how are things in the Adirondacks? Because I actually, you were just before we hit record, you were letting Ramona out and I took the time to like Google map where the Adirondacks are, because to be perfectly honest, I know we talked about where, you know, you being in the Adirondacks last week, I knew they were in the state of New York. I didn't know exactly where they were in New York. And now I see that they are like pretty far North. Like you're almost in Canada. Yeah, it's, um, it's very far North. So I'm actually staying in a town called Keene Valley, which is about 30 minutes from Lake Placid. Um, and it's actually kind of like a nostalgic week, I guess. I think nostalgic is the word I'm looking for because it should be Ironman week here in, uh, upstate New York. And as we all know, Ironman Lake Placid has been canceled for the year. Um, so, you know, just what's normally like 
to be up here during that time is it's like such a nice time of year and usually there's athletes everywhere. There's definitely still some Ironman people out and about. I'm sure they had plans to come and just decided to come anyway, but um, the Adirondacks otherwise are absolutely lovely and Haley, I have been able to escape this like awful heat wave that has been happening. I mean, it was in the Adirondacks here, we were getting like these heat warnings um, for being in the 90s, right? And so at home, it's just like insanely hot. And so I have been very grateful to have been up a little bit further north and to have a few less degrees to be able to survive some training. But it has been it has been warm, but I kind of like that. Um, and the trails have been good. The weather overall has been good. It's starting to get out of black fly season here um, into like no black flies, a little bit less mud. So it's a nice time. And oh, and Haley, I swam in Mirror Lake, which is where the Ironman swim is held. And I actually want to go for this like cool, refreshing dip. And then, so I'm used to Mirror Lake being a little bit chilly. And so I actually dug up, but it's never like that chilly. So I actually wanted to dig up like this old sleeveless wetsuit that I had to swim here because I was like, eh, that'll be like nice because it'll take the chill factor away a little bit, but it's not going to be like too much wetsuit to be, you know, too warm because I didn't know what the water temperature would be. Haley, I could like barely fit into the sweatsuit. I've had it for over 10 years. And so it was like so tight. And so I got into the water. I was swimming in mirror like, and there was this woman. She also kind of started swimming around the same time as me. And I stopped and she had stopped. And so we're just kind of like bobbing around in, in the middle of the lake. And there's like boats kind of everywhere. It's like a little chaotic, like not power boats, but like rowboat, canoes, kayaks, and like paddle boards and stuff. So there's like activity. And then I'm like futzing with this stupid website trying to like make myself lose mass because it was just too tight right and so like trying to figure out how I'm even gonna do this <laughs> with this tight and so the woman thought I had stopped swimming I think I don't know why she thought it, but she looked at me and she was like oh are you okay and I was like oh yeah I'm, I'm fine and she's like I was like are you okay and she's like well she's like actually I'm a little bit nervous. She's like, I haven't swum since March. This is my first time swimming since March. And I was like, oh my God, like you're, and you're just going like out into the open water. This is like, I'm petrified now for you. So, and she was an older woman. And so she was just like, yeah, I'm just a little bit like nervous. I don't have a cat. She had short hair. So she didn't have like a bright cap on. She's like, there's boats everywhere. And I'm just, she just kept saying I'm nervous. And so I was like, okay, well, we were probably 250 like meters offshore. So I was like, do you want to go back? And she was like, no, I want to keep swimming. And I was like, Okay. So I was like, well, how about, I was like, I was going to swim for another, you know, 20 minutes out and then turn around. Do you want to swim with me? And she was like, oh, that would be great. So Haley, I made a friend and we swam every five minutes. I, we just stopped and like regrouped. And then she, we turned around and went back in. And unfortunately she didn't tell me that she actually had like a dinner meeting or something. And so we were actually, I got her back to shore, like 10 minutes past her dinner meeting or something that she had to go to. Um, but it was really nice and it was just kind of, you know, it did make me like remember those pre-race times when everyone's in town and you go do things. You just like randomly make a friend because like you know that you both like triathlon and it's just like you're gonna do a swim together, right? So I don't know, that was nice. But also a friendly reminder to people that as they are getting back in the water for their first swims of the season to just be careful and start slowly. There is so much in that story. This friend that you made... <laughs> The fact that she didn't know what time it was and she had a meeting and she just wanted to keep swimming. I have so many questions. Did, well, did, and Haley, she did also, your wetsuit ever is... like flex up? Were you like cramping because it was uh, too tight? Like I had I mean, to I'm actually, I had to unzip this. it. Oh, I had to unzip it. So I swam with it unzipped, which actually was like a pretty good solution, all things told, because so, it like, like gave me enough breathing room. The drag. I literally. Having it unzipped. Like, <laughs> They're like the buoyancy outweighed the drag. Totally. I mean, it was like, I mean, one of the most ridiculous, like 45 minutes I've ever spent in the water. But so then when we were exiting the water, this woman also like we're getting out and she's wearing like a leisure swimsuit, right? Like, a but like this woman could swim. Like she, she was like a, she was a decent swimmer. Right. And so, so like, I believed her that she like swam laps and like did workouts and stuff. But then she exits the water wearing like an, you know, an LL bean, like, leisure swimsuit and so and I guess my face must have just like given away like I was like huh like you're swimming. <laughs> and so like no judgments like also no judgments but like I mean it's just not what I expected <laughs> and so then she looked at me and she was like oh she knew she, she she knew she was like oh my god she's like 
my suit has been locked in my locker at my Y since March. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And so I just pictured this like poor woman, like, you know, her like normal swimsuit that she like wear, it's just like hanging in the locker at the Y. She hasn't been able to go back since March. And then she's just kind of like, she's like, yeah, I guess I should get another one. And I was like, "Eh, you know, whatever you did find in that one. So anyway, it was just, it's been like, it's been fun. With someone like famous, like she was like an Olympian in the seventies or something. And like, she's someone super famous and you just saw her like not in her total element, but, and she was probably looking at your, your unzipped wetsuit. <laughs> like who is this person out here? Like flailing around. <laughs> so anyway, if this was you, if you're a listener, if she's a listener and she's listening, please write into our mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and let us know your perspective of the whole story. Cause I would, I would love to get like the other side of that um, encounter, but I had a blast and it was really nice to find a, a friend to swim with. I'm glad you got into open water swimming. And you know, if you need a, a new wetsuit, one that fits a little bit better that you don't have to unzip while swimming. Um, our podcast is sponsored by Orca Sportswear, which makes fantastic wetsuits. And you can get 15% off Alyssa with the code ironwoman15 at orca.com. Do you think that you might be in the market for a new sleeveless wetsuit? <laughs> I think so. And I I mean, I've always loved sleeveless wetsuits because I swear something about my shoulders it, it's just, I, I'm very comfortable in sleeveless wetsuits if that's like an option. So I think it's time for me to upgrade. But um, Haley, what else, what has been going on in, in your life this last week? Have you been having any strange encounters in open water swim with meeting random friends? No, but I actually think I might be doing a virtual 5k open water swim on August 9th and everyone's welcome to join. Ooh. I'm organizing this there. It's very, very unofficial <laughs> because I'm organizing it, but mostly a few of my athletes in the Atlanta area um, one was planning to do an like official open water swim that got canceled. A couple of the others just wanted to do an open water swim just for the fun of it. So we have picked the date, August 9th. I think in solidarity, I'm going to do it here in the Bozeman area. Our lake, I heard from this past weekend from one of my athletes that it's actually like pretty nice temperature. And by August 9th, I think I might be able to go non-wetsuit. I'm not sure if I'll do wetsuit or non-wetsuit, Ooh. but, um, I, yeah, it should be kind of fun. If you want to join Alyssa, you're more than welcome. August 9th, 5k swim virtual. Maybe I'll send you a prize. 5k swim. That's a pretty solid open water swim, but I mean, I guess what else do I have to do with myself these days? So I'll put it on my calendar. Is there somewhere, are you like, do, are we just doing it and telling you we do it? Do we like sign, sign, sign up something? Do we, are we donating money? um, What are we doing? (laughs) Maybe we can uh, flush this out. I have a couple of weeks. Um, for right now. Yes. I did it. You are, you are, you are signed up as, uh, I just wrote your name. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And, um, maybe I'll do like a Instagram I like bib number four. If I can get bib number, I'll write that on my cap. So don't let anyone else sign up with with cap number four. Number four. So um, but maybe I will try to make this a little bit more official or something like that. I have a little bit of time, but for right now it's pretty it's pretty casual. But um, it could be. I think it is. These virtual races are kind of fun, and even if you are doing it solo, and I probably will do like laps, you know, in this lake. Um. I think it is more fun when afterwards you're like you or you know other people somewhere else in the world are doing a, a something similar on the same day, and then afterwards you get to chat about it. And so I don't know, August 9th, mark your calendar. I'm glad it's marked. And then the other thing I'm doing right now is um, I actually have a little adventure plan for my birthday. So when this airs, I will hopefully be mid adventure. And um, Ooh. do you want to tell us about it now or do you want to give us like the post-adventure recap next week? I can tell you the plans and then next week we can find out if it happened or not because I'm not totally sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm, there's like a really famous run in the Bozeman area. It's called the Bridger Ridge Run and it's pretty hard to get into. It's like a lottery and they were going to host it this year for like Montanans only, but then they ended up canceling it. So I am planning to run it just not as a race, just for fun. And with a couple other people, not sure exactly who all is um, coming because it's a little bit logistically challenging, but there is like a bailout option at a certain point. And then my parents are going to hike up because there's one point it's 20 miles. So it's a 20 mile trail run. I'm hoping to get done in under six hours. So fairly technical, probably not as technical as what you're running on, but it's, you basically run up a mountain, then you run on this mountain ridge right outside of Bozeman and then you run down. I'm most nervous about the down, but, um, it will, you know, if I make it, I think it'll be really fun. It's just like, 
kind of one of those bucket list type things. And it felt like something that I could handle right now. And um, we'll see how it goes. Should be kind of fun, maybe. That's yeah, that sounds super fun. Oh, and like I, I said, my, par- to... my parents are going to hike up like halfway. They can do like a one mile hike and get to the ridge and bring some like water and snacks because we, you know, I know I can't make it. I can't carry enough to last me six hours. <laughs> the, the unsupported, I can't do an unsupported 20 miler. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, awesome. And on your birthday, you shouldn't be doing unsupported 20 milers. So I think that's totally fine. This is a very supported, not going for any fastest known times because I, the course record on this is like super fast. Um, and so, yeah, it will be just, uh, enjoy the scenery. Don't get lost kind of adventure, but should be kind of fun. So hopefully, hopefully next week I have some good, uh, good stories about that. That's awesome. I can't wait. And Haley, we do have. Uh, one sponsor announcement to remind everyone about. Um, the Live Feisty and Iron Woman podcast is supported by Gooder Sunglasses. And Haley, have you tried the virtual try-on situation that they have? Okay, I have to admit I haven't tried the virtual try-on, but a couple of my athletes love it. And one has like two really cute little kids and she sends me pictures like screenshots all the time of her kids, like trying on virtual try-ons and, and then she's at it too. And it's like, it, they really do work. It's so much fun. And I'm like, your son needs those bright blue gooders so bad. Like they look so good on him. So I, I, it's on my to-do list. I need to check out that virtual try-on page. Have you tried it? You know, I haven't either, but I, I do like that on the gooder site, you can filter by your head size and, because I have like a really large gourd I learned when I was at the U.S. Naval Academy because you have to wear a hat all the time as part of your uniform. So they actually measure and you have like the fitted hat. And I guess my head size, like every time I said my head size, everyone was like, oh, your head is so big. And on the lacrosse team, they called me big head. And I, I'm like 99% sure it's because my head is like literally a size big. I don't think I was like that cocky on the lacrosse field because I also didn't really know a lot about lacrosse as I was playing it. So I don't think I could have been. But I mean, well... <laughs> You never know. I don't know. But anyway, Uh, they have a lot of ways to figure out which will be the best sunglasses for your face or your size head, which is, I feel like, like when you're shopping online for sunglasses, that's exactly what you need. Virtual try on in this day and age is exactly what we need. So definitely everyone check out gooder.com forward slash feisty is the landing page. No specific discount because they're only $25. They're fantastic, fantastic deal amazing colors, all different head sizes. They look good on everyone. Definitely check them out. And, um, you could also send me a picture of you and your gooders for my birthday, like Instagram DM me or put on your story or something. That would be a good prize too. I love bright colors. Oh, I love it. We have all of the, I hope all of Instagram is coming at you on Thursday through, through the week, really. It should just not stop. But Um, one thing we didn't get a lot of this last week, Haley, was mailbags. So if anyone has questions that you want, Haley, now that we are both going to be wise, old, 35-year-old women, you're turning 35, right? I am. 35. Yeah. (laughs) So you'll have two wise 34-year-old, 35-year-old women (laughs) answering your questions on this show if you write to us at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Um, training, racing, life questions. We'll take a stab at any of it. Ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And then Alyssa, we have a great interview this week. I We are talking to professional triathlete Alicia Hill. So Alicia is a pro triathlete. She's also a nurse practitioner. She lives and trains in Salt Lake City, Utah. And recently, Alicia took on the challenge of finding a non-race-related pandemic challenge and decided to ride the elevation of Mount Everest, which is 29,029 feet or 8,848 meters on a single hill. She went up and down until her bike computer said 29029, did all this on one hill in the Salt Lake area in a single day. This is a practice that's called Everesting, and it has sort of become a pandemic favorite uh, of many cyclists around the world. There's an official website. We've mentioned it before. And this was our first chance to really talk with someone who has completed 
this Everesting challenge. So we had a lot of questions for Alicia, like what did she eat? How long did it take? Would she do it again? And Alicia does take the time to answer all of our questions about Everesting plus many more. And she also tells us a little bit about her career in healthcare right now, because we are still in working through a pandemic. We'll have our conversations with Alicia Hill right after the break. Alyssa, what do popsicles, jello, and slushies all have in common? Hmm, they all taste like summer? Yes, but also they can all be made with noon hydration sport tabs. I have to say, it seems like the perfect way to fully embrace summer while staying properly hydrated. Agreed. If you want to make your own noon popsicles, jello, or slushies, head to noonlife.com and use the code LIVEFEISTY. That's one word with a capital L and a capital F to get 30% off your order. Also check out Noon's new Podium series for pre-workout prime, during workout endurance, and post-workout recover products. That's code LIVEFEISTY at NoonLife.com for 30% off. And be sure to let us know about all your summertime tasty Noon Hydration creations. Hi, Alicia. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm looking forward to this conversation because you are a professional triathlete and this is a triathlon podcast and we are going to get to the triathlon talk. But first we have to ask you about your most recent finish. It happened a few weeks ago. You Everested. Can you tell us what Everesting is? So (laughs) yeah, Everesting is riding up and down a segment enough times to you hit above 29,029 feet. To be safe, you hit 30,000 30, feet so that in case your Garmin or whatever device you're using is incorrect, you've hit the amount that you need to. Um, but the goal is basically to ride uphill over 29,000 feet, the height of Everest. On any, okay, so Everesting can be done on any one, you call it a segment. So which we all know mm-hmm. in like Strava terms, right? Like a lot of these hill climbs and stuff are also like segments, yeah, yeah. right? So that probably makes sense to a lot of yeah. people. And so Everesting can only be done on one hill, right? Like you have to pick your well, one hill. Yeah, so the technical form of it, yes. But there's actually, there was even somebody here in Salt Lake the other day, a buddy of, a friend of a friend that did an anti-Everesting where they did, their goal was to go over 30K and was to do not one climb any same time. So they started down here in the valley in Salt Lake and then they did all the climbs in the valley. Then plus when I rode up to Park City, did climbs up there to get over 30K, but they called it anti-Everestine. But technically to load it onto the website, you have to load your segment so that they can calculate it. And then do they- Anti-Everestine. Sorry, Haley, I still have more (laughs) questions about the segmenting. So when you load your segment into this website- then do they like write you back and they're like, this is approved. You can go ahead with your Everesting. Correct. Interesting. No, well, so no, so I should take that back. So no, so you can, there's pre-approved, there's, there's pre-set segments or you can create your own. And what happens is you load it into Strava and then they, it calculates it for you. Okay. So you, it doesn't have to be a pre-approved segment. It just has to be calculated and then approved. Okay. How did you pick your hill? Uh, so I actually did it with a couple people, and it's they picked it for me. So I actually did Everesting based on a fundraiser for Huntsman Cancer, which is a local um, cancer research hospital in Utah. Um, and I picked I so I didn't pick it, but I did it with a couple of buddies of mine um, to raise money for Huntsman Cancer Research. How many times did you have to ride up and down this hill? Like, can you tell us about this hill that you picked? Was there any, or I guess that was picked for you. Was there some strategy in why this specific hill was selected? Um, there wasn't strategy in that sense. You'll see the, 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 if you hear about like the, uh, the pro male riders that are going after ever seen records, there's a calculation, I guess. And I only know this because. Uh, of some of my husband's buddies that geek out on this stuff, but supposedly there's a calculation record that you or to, that you a calculation that if you have a 13% grade climb and it's just straight up and down, then that's the best hill to climb. Mine was not that; it was an average of 8%, and it had some 15 to 20% segments in it, and 
Um, so it, it, it like went up and then you took a turn and then it ski ramped up and then came, then leveled out a tiny bit and then ski ramped up again. Um, so mine was not a, a segment that was like the ideal segment to climb. How but long was your is, hill? And uh, how many times did you have to go up and down? 27 and a half times because it was a thousand and seven hundred, a thousand and seventy six feet per climb. And so I went over the 29, zero 29 in order to make sure that I hit above what, what I to need to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how, so how long distance wise was it? Did you say that yet? Mm, I can't remember. I'd, if I, if I, if I mapped it out, I could figure that out, but it was, it was 136 miles total. Okay. So whatever that equals out, it was a few miles up. Okay. I like your, and how I like your long? How long was it? How long did it take? Over 14 hours. And what about your bike selection? So we saw a photo uh, um, of you riding. It looked like you were on a road bike, right? So was that strategic? What, like, was the triathlete and you, like, ride your tri bike? Because did you ride? <laughs> I think you rode your tri bike at Savage Man, right? I did. I rode my TT bike at Savage Man. Yeah, I did. Um, this was a way different ball game than Savage Man climbing wise. Like this is like uh, well, only climbing basically. It's like up and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even yeah. Savage Man has some like flat. Yeah. They just don't talk about it and like long descents. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I rode the road bike for comfort. I did change my gearing the tiniest bit, but because of the size of my bike, I actually only could do, um, so I usually ride a, a, a 52, 36 in the front and then a 28 in the back and on my road bike, but I changed it to a 52, 34 and then a 28. But because of the size of my wheels and how small my bike is, I can't go over a 28 in the back. So like some of the guys, uh, well, actually everyone but me had like a 30 or 32 or more gears in the back. Um, and then had an even littler ring in their little gear in the front. Um, so I would have changed my setup if, if I do it again, <laughs> in short. So 14 and a half or 14 plus hours in the saddle. Yeah. What did you eat? How did, did you have aid stations? Did someone bring some like pizzas for you or like a whole buffet? No. So I had a whole buffet set up and my, on my carpet in bags, uh, and loaded it into a bag before I left. Um, I had everything from, uh, I filled up big jugs of, um, like, you know, those big, huge, two gallon jugs you can get at the grocery store of water. So I put, I pre-made my infinite and put it in there. I had two liters of Coke in case I needed some extra boost, which is a lot of soda pop for me. Um, I had uh, some sandwiches made that I never ate. I had gummies, uh, gel that was like the, the infinite tripwire that I like. And then bananas, fig bars, potato chips. I think that might have been it. I did not get to all my food is the short of it though. Did but yeah, you, I had a buffet. Did you have like a support person there hand? Like, did you ride straight through the whole time or did you stop and take a break and like slam some food and then get back on? Yeah. So everything is completely self-supported because of everything that's going on. So we didn't have like, we loaded up, we put our stuff in our car at the base of the hill and just grabbed our stuff that we needed. Um, no, there was no support or assistance or help just because again, you want to just keep spatial awareness and be kind of on your own. Um, so I, what I planned to do, and some of this was the help of my husband, cause I don't usually do events this long. Um, but he said, plan a kit change halfway through. So when I got to 15 laps, my plan was to change my kit, but I did it at 16 because I felt okay. And so I did a whole new kit change. Um, and that was just in the car as well. And then, um, yeah, all the food was just in a cooler in the car. And I just pulled out what I wanted when I wanted it. Was there any point when you thought you might not make it? Yes. <laughs> Probably like 20 times. <laughs> How'd you work through if that? Really honest. Um, you know, it's so, it's, this is not something I would probably normally do. Um, but just based on everything that's going on, it's kind of like 
spurred, well, what else do I want to explore? What else do I want to do? Because I have, all of us are not racing right now. And so it's like, well, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, I'm going to raise money for cancer research and spend a day on the saddle. So I think that was kind of a big thing that kept me going. And just also like having that end goal of like, I want to finish. And so did you have like a strategy for pacing and stuff going into this in terms of like, did you have a a watt target or something? And then, or like, were you just going off of perceived effort? And part two of that is like, what is it like to coast? Well, like, were you coasting down the hill? It sounds like your hill was steep enough that like you were basically coasting. Right. And then you just like flip a U-turn and immediately start climbing again. Like do do your legs even feel recovered each lap? Like they can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, so I, I don't ride with power on my road bike. I only ride with power on my TT bikes. So I went all off of perceived effort. I went and checked out the climb the week before. And so I knew kind of what the climb felt like. I just went and climbed it uh, once at the end of a five hour ride, just so I was like, had some fatigued legs and just to check it out. So I knew where turns were, where a bad pavement was, so on and so forth. There were a couple, there's probably like four really tight turns coming down this climb that you just, I mean, you take slow because you're cautious, but yeah, you kind of do just, um, coast down for the most part, like push down into your, your outside leg and pull up on your inside leg and just weave your way down as fast as you can. Um, but just tuck and go, you do just U-turn totally flip and just go back up your legs towards the end. Do not feel recovered at all during, if you like go by on perceived effort, like you kind of just pace yourself and just think about it as a long day in the saddle and it's not too bad. Um, until you either like screw up your nutrition and start to bonk or until you realize that your legs really hurt or until you realize that you're really chafed and you're not comfortable on a bike saddle anymore. <laughs> Sounds like you know about all those from experience. Your yeah. ride for the Huntsman Cancer Institute that you mentioned. And I did just check your fundraising site and it looks like your team raised close to $3,500 with this ride. So why was the fundraising important or fundraising part of it important to you? Yeah, it's actually interesting that you asked that. So my, my husband's best friend, uh, just got diagnosed with cancer probably about a month ago. Um, and it was kind of ironic that they, it wasn't a piece of that that we did raising for Huntsman Cancer Research. It was actually, they'd already planned on doing that. And then he was diagnosed with cancer. So I think that was actually a big piece of it for me is that you do it for somebody that can't, um, at this moment. So, um, I think that was a big piece of it actually. And Alicia, you completed your ride on June 23rd. So you've had a couple weeks to recover. What has that been like? Like, did you <laughs> yeah. feel totally smashed for the next few days for like a week? Like how long was it before you got back on your bike again? Uh, I probably got back on my bike in, uh, maybe like four days. Not too bad. Your legs don't feel that bad. Ironically, like you don't feel that much. Um, you can't, I mean, in terms of how I did it, I guess, cause I didn't like go for as fast as I could go. I just, I did it to finish, um, as a long day in the saddle. And if you like, are trying to like go for a fastest no time, then that's totally different. Right. But I just did it to have the experience and to push my body on a long day. Um, so you didn't have that much muscle fatigue. Actually, there was more just like overall body fatigue, like adrenal fatigue, um, which is something that's a little bit different for me and not something I'm used to. So it took me, it took me like the next weekend. I I remember getting out on my bike and like going out for like a a three and a half hour ride or so. And it was like really hot here. And I was like, well, I think I'm really don't want to be on my bike right now. Um, but it's kind of good timing. We planned a, um, trip out to the sawtooth and went for some big run days, um, out, out there just doing some trail running, like a, a, a really cool 20 mile loop, a 15 mile loop, and then another, another 20 or so. And so I think that was good. And then like, I went and got on my bike this weekend and rode over, 10k and over a little, just around five hours and was stoked to be on my bike again. The Everesting.cc website, which I think you referred to earlier, it seems yeah. to be the official record keeper of Everesting attempts. And the website maintains a hall of fame 
And as of this recording, it showed 9,207 successful Everestings. And I use the website filter to show that 602 of those were recorded by women. I did search for your name and I didn't see it, uh, but maybe you haven't submitted. Have you submitted your information? Okay. So no, you need to submit I that haven't. information. Maybe not quite to. up to date. Yeah, get six hundred. We need six hundred and three. But um, but we are talking about fewer than seven percent of recorded successful Everestings being done by women. So, do you have any advice for women specifically considering an Everesting attempt? How do we get more than six hundred, more than seven percent? Uh, you just have to like go out with attitude, like you just want to ride your bike for a long time. Like you just have to go out there for the enjoyment of riding your bike. There's, there's, I think there's something to be said for just the endorphins you get from a long day in the saddle or a long day on your feet. Alyssa, you could speak to this from all like the long running days you've done, like, um, or even just, or even like full distance Ironman, like you guys do full distance. And I, I personally focus more on the half, but, um, there's something to be said for that. So I think, I think it's more of, just go out there and have fun for a long day in the saddle. And then other advice would be have a kit change halfway through. I was going to ask you about that. So did you feel like, I know changing socks is like a whole new world, but I can see where a fresh chamois, I'm trying to think yeah. of the longest I've ever been on a bike saddle. It's been, I've definitely had some long days, but not quite 14 hours by any means. So yeah, yeah I do feel like a fresh chamois would like feel like work wonders there. It does. It does. Okay. And I didn't bother. I didn't bother with the socks because it wasn't super hot. And so it felt just fine. But a new chamois is a game changer. Just last week, Emma Pooley, the 2010 <laughs> cycling world time trial champion, who also had a brief professional triathlon career, broke the women's Everesting world record in a time of eight hours, 53 <laughs> minutes. Emma did her ride on 10 reps of a 13.5% average grade climb in Switzerland. So it seems like she had some intel about what the ideal situation is to be riding for this challenge. So yeah. does seeing her yeah. attempt at her time make you want to give it another try and maybe like you pick your hill that you go after? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> in short, no. I definitely did this just for a long day in the saddle. I probably will do it again at some point right after. Uh, I think I probably thought I wasn't going to. Um because it was such a long day, but no, I think, I think that I will probably end up doing it again. Um, will I go for a fast zone time? No, I think I prefer to save that competitive piece for, for racing in terms of the scene that I actually race in. Would you, tr would you do a different hill or would you do the same hill if you did it again? Oh, that's tricky. I don't know. Um, I think it would be the nice thing about doing it again on that same hill is then you can kind of like gauge where you're at a bit. Um, Cause you always want to go like faster than you went before, even if you're just going for a long day in the saddle. I think the main thing is I would change the gearing on my bike. That's the main thing, but I'm kind of a hamster wheel type of person. So I may do that same hill. Yeah. And we talk about these times and I think the women's Everesting record has gone from 12 and a half hours to sub nine in just about oh, a hello. month and a half. So do you think that time will keep dropping? Do you think, mm -hmm. we're, are we going to see through this pandemic more and more people doing Everesting? Yeah, I think so. I think it's already skyrocketed and I think you're going to see a lot of things like this style of an endurance objective coming out to be something that something goes, somebody goes after. Cause it's something you can do in an unstructured environment on your own, yet it's structured at the same time. And without racing, I think just as endurance athletes, like we want something to go after. Especially cause it gives you that like quantifiable measure of like hitting a mark. Right. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. It keeps you, it keeps you going until you hit that, whether it's time, whether it's a distance, whether it's a certain amount of feet, whatever it is it gives us something to put focus into as well. And I think that, I mean, again, just with, with everything going on, like to have that point of focus, it, it, it allows you to put your drive towards one particular thing and go after that and then put aside some of the extra stressors and the extra things that are going on by focusing on one particular thing. 
And Alicia, as we mentioned in the introduction, you are a professional triathlete. We've now mentioned this a few times, I think, too. So did you change up your training at all that you had been doing? Like, obviously, it's a little bit of a different time without races happening. But um, did you train specifically to prepare for the Everesting Challenge? Or was your typical swim, bike, run training kind of what you did and that carried you through? Uh, it was actually exactly that. I definitely didn't prepare at all. I decided two weeks before, technically two weeks before I went that I was actually going to do it. It was kind of just in the back of my mind, like, oh yeah, I may go do it. These guys are doing it and we're raising money. So yeah, maybe I'll do it. And then I was like, oh yeah, I need something to just go do. So I put it on the calendar. <laughs> it's kind of a last minute decision, to be honest. Alicia, you also work full time as a nurse practitioner. How is work work right now? Busy, really busy. If you're working in healthcare, you're working overtime for sure. Um, there's a lot going on that's created changes in environments and clinics, whether it's you're doing a lot of telemedicine um, in the beginning and now you're doing combined with telemedicine and in-clinic visits and balancing that and staying on time and making sure everyone gets everything they need is tricky, to say the least. Is there anything that we as, you know, our audience and endurance athletes who are all like well-meaning human beings here that, is there anything that we can be doing to help make life a little bit easier for healthcare workers like yourself? Wow. That's an interesting question. There's a lot, there's a lot in media and a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about what's going on with. COVID-19 and the virus, and there's a lot of unknowns with the virus. Um, I think that one of the big things that's, and this is my personal opinion, again, it's not, it's not that everyone may have this opinion, but um, masking up in public, I think is, is very important and keeping who you associate with to a minimum is very important. Um, and just keeping a safe space is important just because there's so many unknowns with everything that goes into this virus piece. And in terms of, from a healthcare provider standpoint, the, the, the safer we act, the more responsible we act, hopefully the better the outcomes are. And again, a lot of that's unknown. So it's not a guarantee that that will, it's not that that's going to fix everything, but I think that that's a big piece of it is just being socially responsible. Going back to your triathlon career, you've raced as a professional since 2016. And during that time, I believe you've even, you've either been in school or worked full time. How do you approach racing at the highest level, knowing your life includes demands your competitors might not share? Yeah, that's interesting too. Uh, I actually chose to pick up professional triathlon when I started grad school. And part of it was I needed a new challenge. I'd raced for a couple of years and kind of felt like it's time to take the next step and do something different. Um, and it's, I think that it's all about focusing on yourself and what you have going on rather than what somebody else has going on, because you can't change what somebody else has going on. You can only control your own environment and yourself. Um, and so knowing what your stresses are and knowing how to control them and keeping two feet on the ground and staying balanced is what you need to do as an individual. And so that's what I try to focus on. Um, and then also I think that a piece of that is like in terms of like performing to your optimum is making sure that to your best of your control, you control those other outside aspects of your life to pick your races where based on where you're at, whether it's on a month, week or day to day scale, you have the least amount of outside stressors that could impact your performance. Those are really good tips. I'm actually like letting them sink in for a minute because I, I love that. So just to recap what you said, I think those are huge things for people to understand, like, you know, controlling yeah. your own environment and worrying about yourself and those stressors and not like overthinking it to the point of like, well, this person doesn't have a job and this person trains full time. This person can take naps in the middle of the day, right? Like right. everyone's going to have a different thing and it would be so easy to work yourself up to not perform at your best with what you're doing, just worrying about not being able to take a nap like athlete B over there, right? So I love right, that. Right. And then now this is why I'm recapping because I've already forgot the second part of what you're saying. So Haley, do you remember the second part? Can you help me out here? <laughs> Maximize your races. Make them yes. your schedule. Don't, don't try to make, don't try to fit your schedule around the race calendar. Yeah. Like, since you have a busy life schedule, you need to pick races that will work for you. 
And so, Alicia, I'm dying to know, was the Big Savage Challenge last year a race that, like, fit into your schedule? Because this is a huge race then to get into your schedule, right? Because you were traveling to this race. It was a three-day racing festival in Maryland that included a swim-run prologue, Olympic distance triathlon, and a long course triathlon. Had the famous Western Port wall climb, and there was prize money. Um, you took the win in front of myself there. We had a blast over those three days of racing. And so, you know, would you say that between Eversting and Savage Man, these are obviously just like unique endurance challenges. So do you think that's the kind of athlete that you are at heart? Gosh, you know, I don't know. That's tricky. I think that, um, I think they're a little bit out of the box for me, actually. And I think I'm still maybe figuring out where I sit. Um, my husband is a, a big more adventure. He does X-Try World Tour. So he's actually the one that convinced me to do Savage Man. Um, and Everstein, I think, I actually convinced him. So I'm not sure where I sit exactly. I think that I've tried, I've kind of like over the past couple of years, like with being in grad school and then transitioning into being an NP in ortho sports medicine and working full time in a really busy work environment, trying to figure out where I sit. And I think for now, I'm kind of, I'm kind of um, building this base of endurance on a wide scale. And then as I, age, which I know we all hate that word, but as I age, then I think that I probably will take some time and focus a little bit more on triathlon and what capacity that will be. I don't know whether it'll be pro point three, um, or, or whatever. I don't know. I think that, I think that, um, my husband kind of brings out a little bit more of an adventure aspect rather than a structured aspect in terms of that's more my personality, but now I've kind of enjoyed some more of the adventure piece so I guess I guess my answer is I'm not I'm not really clear on that I'm still kind of finding myself in that regard um to a certain extent Alicia can you tell us a little bit about your coaching situation because I believe you've been with the same coach throughout your whole professional career and maybe as an age grouper as well and I think that's a little unusual so can you tell us about that Yeah. So I actually met the coach that I currently work with, Hallie Trustwell. Um, I met her actually when I was in college, I decided not to swim in college and to just do school and just to master that. That's actually how I met her. And she raced at that point. And then I reconnected with her later on. Um, after I like had just started racing triathlon a little bit and I've stuck with her. And I think that one of the reasons why, I don't have a desire to switch, nor do I think that it would be beneficial for me is because, um, she knows me as an individual and she can even just like tell by my voice, if I'm tired, if I'm stressed, if I'm upset, if I have other things going on. And like I said before, like a big thing for me in terms of racing, and I've learned this the hard way multiple times, but that balance piece in terms of when to race, where to race and when you need to back off. And it's, it's, it's bit me multiple times. Um, and I've had to take a, a big chunk of time off of racing because of it, but at certain points, but, um, a, 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 I guess the, a big piece of that is you have to connect with the person you're working with. It can't just be somebody writing plans for you. They have to really understand who you are as an individual and what you have going on in your life, because whether you're just racing professionally or whether you're working full time and racing professionally or whether you're working full-time and racing as an age trooper, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be extraneous stressors that you have in your life that are going to come into and affect what you're doing in sport. And if you don't have somebody that understands those stressors or that you can talk to about them or that knows where you're at just by like hearing you talk, then you're kind of at a little bit of a loss, I think, in terms of being able to make forward progress. So Alicia, the world is so chaotic. Your day job puts you on the front line of the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. You just finished an incredible physical challenging and everything. Are we allowed to ask if you have any more adventures in the pipeline? I do actually. (laughs) Tell us, tell Uh, us what's next. Um, so we are planning currently on going and running the Wonderland, which is a hundred mile trail run in three days. I'm sure you've heard of it. I love it. I love it. Tell all the listeners more, though. Um, so it's running around Mount Rainier. This I did get uh, not dragged into by my husband, but it was his idea. 
Um, so I've been doing some a bit more trail running, which is why uh, we went to the Sawtooth was just to get some good mileage. And um, for me, running durability has always been tricky. And that's one of the things that I focus on during this whole thing, since we're not racing, is run frequency and run durability, because that's usually where I end up getting injured. And I've actually found that um, progress can be made, which is uh, a big positive for me. Um, but the Wonderland in short is you, you have, there's three different spots that you can, that you can camp. Like you start at the, you start at the beginning and then it's just like about 33 plus miles per day. And I don't know, uh, I should know how many feet it is total, but I kind of, again, I'm just going in blind and just, uh, knowing that it'll work out. Okay. <laughs> I think it's like, maybe it's 24. I don't know. I'm not sure. Are but you guys fast packing? Like, are you, know. are you running with packs like to, with a tent to sleep in on the trail and things like that? Uh, no. So we actually will have, we will have support. Someone will take our tents okay. to where we need to go. So it'll, it won't be fast packing. It'll be actually proper running. So like just a small run pack with, uh, fluid and food and, um, just taking the day to enjoy nature and run through the mountains. So 33 miles a day for three days, so close to 100 miles in three days around a volcano. Is Mount Rainier's a volcano, right? In in Washington or Big Mountain? It's a big mountain. It's a big mountain. I don't know if it's a volcano. I don't think it's a Mount St. Helens erupted oh. when I was a kid, but I don't think I don't think Rainier. Okay, yeah, maybe I have them. I have my my uh, all our fans in Seattle in Washington are gonna write in, but um. A, it's a famous trail, right? So you're traveling up it to is. Washington and then that's a big, I mean, have you ever done anything like that before? Multi-day adventure? Alyssa, we, we, we get a lot of questions about these multi-day adventures. Yeah, no, Alyssa definitely has like, uh, probably, I don't know, a hundred times more experience in this than I do. Um, I have not done that. The closest, I mean, like I've cycle toured, um, and done like hundred mile, like, but it's just all purely mainly biking, but just so cycle toured and done like 400 miles and five days or so or 450 miles in five days but never never running back-to-back days on end to like 100 miles in three days that's a little bit more than I normally would do well best of luck to you we can't wait to hear about that adventure Alicia Hill tell, showing us how it's done like in all areas of life but congratulations again on your Everesting accomplishment and get your name on that list I will I will I'll, I have to create a Strava account first I haven't done that yet so that's what I have to do first but but my priorities I got too much stuff going on you do have a lot but going on fair that. enough fair enough but I, it's but still I there. around 30k so I know that I made it so you I'm made good. it 603 <laughs> congratulations Alicia we'll talk to you soon thanks see ya Iron Women is proud to be supported by Form Goggles in 2020. Form Goggles are the only swim goggles with a smart display that delivers metrics like split times, distance, pace, and more. And it's built right into the goggle lens. You can also analyze your metrics outside of the pool with the Form Swim app, because what triathlete doesn't love data? Head to formswim.com to learn more about the Form Swim Goggles and pick up the missing link to your swim bag. triathlon is certainly hard on your skin without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. Okay, Alyssa, after hearing Alicia talk about it, would you ever consider Everesting? Haley, I think I would. I mean, I have started really getting my wheels turning just very beginner stages of brainstorming of like what the perfect hill could be for me. I feel like where I live in the Blue Ridge Mountains, I'm sure we have a really good hill for this. Um, so, and it's crossed my mind. Like, I think it's, I don't know. It's definitely interesting to me. Uh, maybe not quite yet, but maybe like this fall. I mean, it doesn't seem like 
racing is really returning and at some point I'm going to have to start riding my bike a little bit more. So what better way than to have an Everesting goal, I guess. But what about you? Have you thought about it? I've thought about it during various times and I did follow one pro cyclist who did, she Everest did a climb in North Georgia that I was familiar with. And honestly, like I can't imagine riding this climb that many times. It's so steep. The hog pen and hill climb. Hog pen. Yes. But she wrote the steep sign to hog pen. Like that's not even the side that I normally like run up. Like, and the, the thought of like Emma Pooley on a 13% grade for nine hours like also just descending a 13% grade. I mean, that's pretty steep. So I, I mean, maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. Like maybe you do Everest for leisure and like not for time. <laughs> so Haley, no, I this is the I thing. Did you see the thing more? where, did you see the challenge where people were trying to run the mile as slow as like you had to run, but you had to run the mile yes. as slow as you can. <laughs> maybe we should I just do the like slowest Everesting. But then, okay, then we definitely need to be doing it like right now while the daylight is longer. Cause I don't know how oh, I feel true. about like doing a lot of it at night. I do... My friend, uh, I would need a change of brake pads midway through, <laughs> but there's parts of it that intrigue me. And, um, you know, I won't say never, it's not on my immediate future, but ah, I won't say never. I do have a friend who, who he attempted it. And then it, it, this was also on the hog pen on the other side of hog pen. And he, I think got like, it was like nine of 13 reps and then a forest fire broke out and they closed the road. It was like oh so gosh. close. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, I've heard some stories about things, but anyway, this was like years ago. This wasn't recent, but I admire everyone who goes for it. I really admire Alicia for going for it and yeah, never say never, oh. but I, I, I think I would, yeah, go ahead. Also, I think, I don't think we talked about this in the interview and it's probably worth men mentioning to people who think, who are like intrigued, but Everesting is too like large of a goal at this point. You can, like, I've seen people do stepping stones, right? So you can pick smaller mountains. Did we talk about this in the interview where, like, you can oh. pick Kilimanjaro. You could pick um, Mount Whitney. You could pick, like, I don't know, you know, some other mountain. Look up that elevation and then do it to that, right? And then maybe, like, yeah, for, the, like, every month you try and pick a taller mountain and you work your way up to Everesting. So there's definitely, oh. you know, you don't have to go all in for the full Monty. You could just, I mean, riding Mount Kilimanjaro seems pretty cool, right? So, like, you know, things like that and... It's just, yeah. So do the, do like, listeners too. the seven summits of Everesting on the bike. You do oh. like Ollie, you do anyway. There's so Haley, Haley, so it sounds like a really good October challenge for you where every day of the week you do the seven, a different seven summit. Every day of the week. So we're talking like 12 hours of riding a day. I'm like, yeah, boom. I need a lot of champagne cream. How's your um, Alyssa, <laughs> one last question I have for you on, did you, wait, I forgot to ask this during the intro. Did you get your COVID test results back? Haley, great question and a huge no. I still, nine days later, have zero results to my name, which is, needless to say, a very frustrating situation to be in when I was trying to be proactive and trying to like be the best citizen I could in this whole situation, and just nothing. So they say it could take up to 10 days, so I'm assuming tomorrow, hopefully, is like my lottery winner day and I'll find out but at you know 10 days later I'm not even sure what useful information that really is if it is positive so um hopefully you know my parents have not been feeling ill and I am still wearing a mask around them so hopefully we took all precautions necessary regardless but long story short I know some people have had good luck with testing being quick but I am not one of those people but I'll keep you posted oh. I'm sorry to hear that, but I am still crossing my fingers. It's a negative result, and I do admire your the precautions we're taking to keep your parents safe. So, Alyssa, enjoy the rest of your time in the Adirondacks. It was great chatting with you, and I'll talk to you next week. Have a great birthday week, Haley. Bye. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Taylor Mahan Rudolph. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear, as well as the Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find websites and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com.